0: Hey folks, Andrew All here, Old Blood and Guts. Welcome to Citizen Chat, our weekly podcast that discusses various developments in Star Citizen. This week we're focusing on lore and various historical parallels between the sci-fi created universe of Star Citizen and history. We also dabble in alien races and what we'd like to see from the game. So why don't we start by everybody giving a quick hello.
1: Arca. Cyrepex. Dawn. Yopi. you Fireborn.
0: Karlovsky. McTaggart.
1: Masento.
2: Penguin. Doctor Doctor.
0: Something else we wanted to talk about were the parallels between uh, some of the lore elements of Star Citizen and maybe things historical perspective happened in real life, right? So uh, a lot of people have compared and uh, Chris and folks have actually compared the UEE to the Roman Empire in a sense, right? They constantly draw those connections back and forth between uh, sort of structure, the way that they're run, uh, the way that the sort of the UE Senate is formed, I think it is, right?
3: Yeah, that was very interesting, that conversation that uh, Chris had with the writers, uh, where they, they took from our real history uh, some of the elements that they wanted to introduce into the game. And that provided a real basis for what they
0: wanted to accomplish. And I think sometimes that's through a creative process, uh, regardless if you're creating... You know a sci-fi computer game or you're writing a novel or something like that of course you're going we're all a product of our own experiences right in our own environments so you draw from that knowledge that you have, um, historically speaking, or whatever it may be, and it it's not a surprise to see those kinds of things influence you know your creative writing style. But I think we see all kinds of different influence there, not just uh, Roman Empire, but you know Star Wars, Star Trek, those kinds of things, all wrapped into Star Citizen. And uh, you know, watching that first tech demo where you land, and you know you see the sandworm from Dune, and you see sand people running around, it was pretty difficult to ignore all of those different influences and how that's had an impact in game design and all the jokes that subsequently came out about spice that
3: was kind of funny Uh, (laughs) also it's an interesting idea that you can now look at the game and search your memory for history and begin speculating on what you think will come out of all of this for example there are certain pieces that are in lore that are kind of heft are left kind of hanging and you can say, Oh, well that could be, this is going to happen or perhaps that might happen.
4: I think if they use the model of uh, the Roman empire as kind of a backdrop or, or, or storyline, you have so many ebbs and flows with that whole period of history um, from, you know, rise of Republic to dictatorial to the crumpling and falling. And it really files the.
0: Yeah. And what I'd really like to see is I'd like to, as I've mentioned several times in these podcasts and other uh, sort of Star Citizen content. I'm not really convinced the UEE are the quote-unquote good guys. They seem like the uh, imperialistic sort of uh, iron fist, if you will. And what I'd really like to see in some of this lore develop is I'd like to see a split of, let's use the example of the Roman Empire, where you have Rome and you have Constantinople, you have the Western Empire and the Eastern Empire, and the Eastern Empire is... Uh, sort of more intellectual and less uh, sort of military base while the Western Empire maybe is uh, a little bit more iron-fisted. I'd like to see that kind of split and maybe we'll get that in Star Citizen where there's some kind of rebellion or something like that and they've alluded to this kind, uh, this kind of thing a great many times, not just with the uh, Dvaran or whatever, but also other races and things like that and sort of political struggle within uh, the Empire. But I'd really love to see that kind of that split. Uh, so not only do we have to fight these external enemies, but also internal forces as well? I, I thought very interestingly when I discovered that there were slaves, that what about a slave
3: revolt and somebody has to put down a slave revolt?
4: Yeah. Well, also, there's also a lot of fracturing around, even internally, from breakaway systems and whatnot. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting as well around the, around the periphery.
0: And it's also been a reoccurring theme in a great many Chris Roberts games that there has been sort of that internal strife. Not only are you fighting um, the vicious enemy trying to devour you from the outside, some kind of alien race, but also to fight your own sort of political fracturing and, and uh, issues like that. So I think that would add another interesting dynamic, because uh, a lot of the stuff that we seem to be fed through the, the lore masters regarding the UEE it's almost tongue-in-cheek propaganda, and it reads that way. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are just absorbing it, oh, that's cool, but it almost seems like they're making fun of it. I, am I just crazy on that, or are you guys picking up on that too? No, they're, they're making fun of us and our history and, and some of the things that we do and some of
3: the movies we watch. They're, making, they're having a great time doing this, as, and it's one of the things I love about the game, and it opens up so many possibilities uh, for so many different things to happen. Well, it's like the old expression too, I have seen the enemy and he is us,
4: right? So you're more familiar with our own history. So they feed that into the uh, building blocks of of this imaginary universe to give you a frame of reference for a lot of things so that you understand what's going on better.
0: Yeah, that's funny. And I don't know if you guys remember, but we actually had a poll on the old Blood and Gut site. I don't know if it's still up or not because we changed the polls pretty frequently, but there was a question uh, that basically asked what kind of uh, antagonist is your biggest fear you know what what is it a werewolf is it a vampire is it this is it that And an overwhelming majority said a human being (laughs) is the scariest creature that they could ever face as an opponent. And it's true, I guess, right? I mean, you know, it just all comes back to that. We're really our own worst enemy in many different ways.
4: Well, there's also so much in the whole universe that's still unknown. Remember uh, several nights back when we were talking about the Vandal? Are they actually that aggressive or is there something driving them? Is there some other antagonist that's pushing them into our space that we need to have this defense? and i'm sure that penguin has has some thoughts on that as well
2: um i think we don't really know much about the vandal but from from the very get-go in the history they've kind of been really aggressive towards the humans but we see that they aren't necessarily the same way towards other alien races so i definitely think there's a high possibility that you know something is influencing them to act as such because they've they've come off off the running foot Very, very aggressive towards humankind.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's something pushing the Vendel into UEE space, and we're just not, we don't know what that is. So, whether the Vendel are subjugated to this other entity, or they're somehow acting as a forward guard or something like that for some other source of power, I kind of get that feeling because a lot of the way that the Vendel present themselves. It's almost too perfect. You know, they're almost too, you know, warrior-like, nomadic. Something's weird there. I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me because a lot of the other sort of lore lines in Star Citizen are, are a heck of a lot more complex and interwoven. And the Vendel stuff almost seems too clear-cut, you know?
4: Yeah, they might be escaping from something else. And that's why they are nomadic and they are fighting for new territory to have new colonies because they are lost their owns.
3: So that's also an option.
2: That's what makes the Vandal so great. There's so many mysteries to them. I mean, sure, they may seem to be a clear cut from just having a quick look at them, but there's many things about them that we simply don't know anything about. I mean, there's a large question of, okay, the female Vandal, they've never been sighted with um, any of the roaming fleets. So do they have a home world where they're based off of, uh, what's their motivation? There's sort of things that, we can't really speculate on because we just don't know anything about them
1: you have to consider that the Vanduul are a tribal race and that perhaps not all the tribes agree on the same ideals also um
3: don't the Vanduul actually trade with the Xi'an
2: um the Xi'an have a raga okay, well as as we know it the Vandal they do trade the there are limited clans that trade with the Xi'an but the Xi'an tend to look down on them as cowardly but yeah it is known that the Vandal do trade with both the Banu and the Xian on occasion, which is why the um immediate hostility towards the humans is a bit strange.
3: Did I hear that right? Or, or were you trying to say that the Vandul looked down at the Xian?
2: No, the Xi'an looked down on the Vanduel. Really? As cowardly? I believe the quote was short sighted and cowardly.
1: Well, there you have two different types of militaristic races. The Xi'an are very organized. They live hundreds of years and their entire lives they're part of the the reserve forces at least, and the Vandul are very nomadic and travel different places and they're not very organized. There could be a you know a disrespect between the types of militarism present in the two cultures.
2: The Vandal are very much a um, comparable to older barbarian kind of tribes, whereas the the Xeon, the easiest comparison would probably be elves from some sort of fantasy lord of the rings or something where they live for hundreds of years and therefore whenever they participate in any kind of action they're not just considering the immediate consequences they're planning years decades in advance so for them a lot of the kind of on the spot decisions that the vendor would make as nomads would seem very ill thought out
4: well i know we talked about this the other night and we were talking about this yen and that the fact that they've been at war for such a long period of time, but maybe their concept of war is more on an, maybe an economic level. Maybe it's warfare economically instead of what everyone immediately assumes is warfare between you know bloody conflict and conquest.
3: I understand that, um, and I do remember that particular part that talked about how long they live and how they would certainly uh, look at the Vanduul as short-sighted because they tend to do things immediately, whereas a Sian would, would wait maybe 10 or so years. In fact, when they were doing their treaties between human and the Sian, it took forever, it seemed, and they were just thinking about it. But why cowardly? I didn't understand that cowardly
4: part.
0: Maybe because they have these suicidal tactics?
4: Ramming and stuff. Well, remember though, the Xian are a matriarchal organization, and if we can't see the females from the Van duel, maybe they think that they won't show themselves, they won't interact, they won't cooperate. So, in that sense, they're cowardly. That's very interesting.
2: I, I simply think it could be re- uh, referencing the simple fact that the Van are so quick to violence in the eyes of the Xian, which live. For such long periods they're probably a lot a lot more peaceful a lot wiser and to them anyone that resorts to violence just as a quick measure whenever they don't get their way is cowardly
3: plus their their real emphasis on making money and trading so if you're not making money then maybe you are a coward no profit in war
0: yeah i don't think i've ever heard that reference um from the zian to the vandal they think that they're cowards or something i did see the short-sighted part So the other thing, too, is, uh, comparatively speaking, I think the Vandal are probably modeled after the Mongols, right? I mean, even in a lot of their weapons and the way that they sort of approach things, you kind of get that Mongol feeling from them, minus uh, the horse thing. You know, that reliance, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I mean, you also have the... Kurthak, thank you, <laughs> that are on the uh, east past uh, the Xeon that we just, we've never really had contact with. And the, the nice thing about uh, the Star Citizen lore is that there's so much unexplored area around the UEE that they could create anything they want. I mean, these lore masters could cook up uh, all kinds of different plot lines that are interwoven.
1: Right, I heard some speculation on Reddit just today that the, uh, the Kurthak might be the lost shuttle of humans that were lost in that one lore piece that they might have developed separately from the UEE, which is why, upon meeting the humans, the Xi'an were so distrustful. Perhaps they ran into that colony of humans first.
2: That's a possibility. Um, I'm just going to go back on the Vandal thing. I'll read out a quote from the wiki. I'm taking this from the Xi'an Empire wiki page, and it is a, um, a quote from Writer's Guide 7 in regards to the relationship with the Vandal. While distance plays a factor, there are a lot of unfriendly systems between the Vandal and the Xi'an. Their limited contact has not been particularly fruitful. Some clans have established tentative trading relations, but the majority of the Vandal regard the Xi'an as manipulators and cowards. Okay, it's worded differently on the um, Vandal page. I thought it was the other way around. And the Xi'an view the Vandal as short-sighted barbaric thugs.
3: Yeah, that was my understanding from the beginning.
2: Yeah, I was a little bit mixed up there, but um, you get the general idea. There's not a lot of respect between the two races, but they aren't openly at war as the Vandal are with the UAE.
3: And then, of course, we have to talk about the hundreds of years of war that uh, they've had with the, however you pronounce that, on the other side of them, Thurak.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't even try. <laughs> right, and to further speculate on why the Kurthak could be human and why the Shi'an don't want us to meet them with them, it would be that the Xion would be flanked on both sides, spatially, I suppose, if the Kirthak are in fact human. If we reconnect with the lost human colony, then the Xion would be vulnerable. Surrounded. I think that would be a pretty awesome plotline.
2: It it could be, but I suspect that um, the Kirthak have nothing to do with humans. I mean, um, there's... Well, number one, the name doesn't... It sounds like something. My assumption is they're going to be some kind of very strange alien, nothing like anything we've ever encountered before. But also the, um, the war between the Xi'an and the Kathak, it's, I believe, named the Spirit War, which kind of, that just gives me the idea that it's something more than the kind of war that humans would have started, because if it was a human colony and they'd started a war, I can see that as being maybe more the humans had pushed in on Xi'an territory, but, um... That the war is named the spirit war makes me think there's something much, much deeper to it. Isn't there also something in lore that
3: talks about uh, them being very, um, not very sedimentary, they're very mobile? Those Uh, people are very, because of the war, the war aspect, uh, I I know we did some speculation on this a little while ago, and somebody said uh, that it was because they're so mobile.
0: I don't know, the... um... Kethak, or whatever they're called, uh, that doesn't seem very threatening to me. That kind of sounds like the name of a candy bar with a nougat center. <laughs> a transliteration from th- something cyan as well, so that's why it's difficult for us. Yeah, uh, maybe. But the other thing, too, is uh, we were talking about this, I guess, yesterday or something like that on comms, where I was saying that I'd really love to see uh, an alien species that's not bipedal and humanoid, something that's like a giant slug or like, you know, a, a space jellyfish or something like that, because uh, it. You know, from the astrobiology side, it just seems like there's a lot of room to play there. And what we have so far are just a human, a bunch of humanoid aliens. You want some insects? Arachnids. I want anything. I want variety. You know, I want to see all kinds well, of stuff.
1: Right. You have the animal theming with all the races. Perhaps the Kurthok are an enemy of turtles, like, thematically.
0: Well, honestly, if anything matched that name, I would say insectozoid. I mean, that sounds like an arthropod or something, that name. It, it sounds... Kind of like the Clacken from Master of Orion, if any of you guys played that.
4: Yeah. So you just want a a very difficult to animate thing that's going to make the game go longer and longer before it's released. Absolutely. I
0: want to see like the effects of like a a giant like slug ship. If you shoot down the side of it, I want to see like a slug kind of like melt out of the side of the ship. I don't know. It's gross, but I need some variety. You want some space worms? Need some variety. Well, we have space worms, right? No, but worms in space. Hey, how do you know they can't take off? You haven't seen their rear quarters. They may have rockets attached.
4: (laughs) Hey, we don't know, right? (laughs) Hey, if you look at Star Wars, they do migrate because that worm was out there in those asteroid belts. They're... they're Cutting off parts of rock and hurling them to space.
0: Well, and there's guardians of the galaxy where they're mining out of that giant head out there in space too. And that's another important thing too. I'd love to see they call space guardians and a bunch of those uh you know, strategy games, Master of Orion, the rest of them, but like giant organisms that live in space naturally, and that's where they live. You know, it's it's not from a surface of the planet, they just kind of migrate amongst the stars. I think that would pretty be pretty awesome too. And it could be, you could design those kinds of creatures to be huge and it would take fleets to take them out, you know? Space whales. Star Trek did that
3: already. <laughs> but also, uh, wasn't Star Trek, some of the original stuff in Star Trek, they were aquatic creatures.
4: You mean the series uh, Enterprise, this prequel?
3: Yeah, the prequel, the Enterprise, they had some aquatic uh,
4: Yeah, creatures. To-
3: yeah, I wouldn't pronounce that either.
4: There was uh, five species on one planet evolved as a, evolved as primates. Yeah. So there was aquatic, uh, uh, monkey style, some humanoids. Yeah, there was and the uh, lizard man, and there was the
0: aviarian, but they died out in the war. So, doctor, doctor, be honest with us. Are you wearing a Star Trek uniform right now? Nope, it's in transit. Or does his child
3: wear Star Trek? Uh, diapers. I got them.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm into Star Trek,
3: yes, yes, I confess, I'm into Star Trek.
0: No, no, s- so are we, you're, you're amongst I- friends here.
3: Don't worry, we're all that nerdy.
0: But I think the main point is to get some variety in these races, I think, would be a great thing. And obviously, um, I'm not quite sure who said, it. I think it was, uh, Masento said, uh, they're going through sort of the animal species, and I think that's right. Uh, I also think there's plenty of room there for them to do some different things, you know, moving forward.
4: Yeah, you can, eat, you can eat them,
0: like uh, those uh,
4: beard men, no? No,
3: that was a barbaric, okay, change of subject. But we
0: can eat them. Maybe the one, um, one animal-type species you won't see in Star Citizen is what? Tigers, lions. Exactly. <laughs> I think he's going to stay away from that this time. So, unfortunately, the dream of space kitties is over. Guys, it's, it's sad to say.
3: No hello, space kitty?
4: No, but yeah, maybe V will Let's figure out something, a Cyber Dog or something. So those of you that don't know, um, you know,
0: the Wing Commander series and all that, Kilrathi were the main antagonist, and they were essentially cat people. So it's probably something we're not going to see in, uh, in Star so Citizen's universe. Now we got lizard people,
3: yeah. <laughs> I don't know, we might see dog people. We could offend a whole new group of people.
1: Maybe the Kilrathi are pushing the Vandal into human space now would be to connect.
0: So yeah, I mean, um, we'll we'll see how a lot of that pans out. I mean, I I think there's so many options and I would love to be a creative sci-fi writer on this team of Star Citizen because there's so much to work with. (laughs) You know, you could just... They're creating this universe from scratch, much like, you know, the, all the sci-fi series and the genres that we've talked about. And there's just, there's so much that can be done. There really is. And I'm sure uh, throughout the iterations of this, uh, you know, whether it be next year, 10 years from now, you know, when there's millions of players uh, playing around in this universe, I'm sure it'll only get better and better. So as a quick wrap up, thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast over here at Old Blood and Guts. We will see you in the verse.